you guys doing? How many of you guys are doing well in the house? Come on. No place like the house of God. Amen? How many of you guys know that in the past uh, few weeks, we've experienced some opposition? Yo. Uh, specifically in the youth ministry, we, we um, got into a mode where some of our uh, team members got sick. And, uh, you know, we're exposed to, to COVID and we had to cancel two services. And, um, and we would all meet on Zoom uh, during the week. And, uh, you know, we were isolated, right? Quarantined and, um, and, you know, just not seeing each other, not in community. And we were all just under it, right? Megan, DJ, uh, Sarah, Chewy can attest to it. The youth could attest to it too. We were, we were under isolation, right? Because how many of you guys know that we were made for community? How many of you guys know that we were made to be uh, in the house of God, worshiping together, right? Not with a front, with a mask over us, not, not, that, that was never in the package deal when uh, God created uh, the heavens and the earth and men, amen? That wasn't in the package deal. And we were talking, we were talking about the isolation. We were talking about the frustration. We were talking about how hard it was, and we were feeling opposition, and I was angry and I was frustrated. I was mad saying, God, why is this happening right when we're about to be out of this? Why is this happening right now? I do not understand. We're looking towards youth camp. We're looking towards kids, uh, you know, public school systems going back to school. We're looking towards amazing things. Why are we experiencing opposition right now? And I'm reminded today in my prayer life when I was talking to God, I was reminded of this. Opposition is coming because there's breakthrough on the way. Opposition is coming because God is moving like a mighty lion. God is, come on, God is doing something amazing in our county. And if we're not careful, we will tune into the rage of the world instead of tuning into the sound of heaven, which sings praises over and over. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Amen. So check this out. Before I start off with the sermon, before we start preaching, this is what we're praying for right now. Uh, specifically as it pertains to, to the youth ministry. Um, we're praying right now for youth camp. And in July, it's the 23rd through the 26th. And this is what we're praying for. We're praying for seven things. Number one, everybody hold up a one. We are praying for scholarship money to come through for students and that no student would be denied camp. Number two, we're believing for spiritual and physical breakthrough for the yoke of bondage over students' lives and their families. Number three, we're believing uh, that students uh, would have their faith and walk with Christ solidified at camp and sustained. Amen. Number four, we're believing for lifelong friendships to be developed and hang out outside of youth to be together as a collective in every single school in Snohomish County and beyond. Number five, uh, we're praying that students would be water baptized and baptized in the Holy Spirit filled up with the fire. Number six, for the fire to be sustained and to learn as a collective youth ministry to fan the flame. And then number seven, come on. I know Pastor Jonathan shared this right now. For all sickness and all disease to be canceled and for our youth and our youth team to be healthy. Come on. That's what, that's what uh, we are uh, believing for. And, I, and I'm, reminded, I'm reminded of what the psalmist said this morning 
uh, for his name's sake. For his name's sake. Come on, we are under his grace. We are under his power. We're under his love. So for his name's sake, he won't fail. For his name's sake, because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. How many of you guys know that we are a chosen generation? We are a royal priesthood so that we cannot fall as we walk with God. How many of you guys are thankful for his love? Yes. Amen. Before, before we jump into the sermon, I have a, I have a story, a story to tell. And, um, and it's funny because it actually has to do with uh, my childhood. Uh, a couple years after the pumpkin pie incident. How many of you guys were here for that pumpkin pie? Pumpkin pie, Jose. I can't live it down now. It's over me. Um, I got a pumpkin pie anointing over my life. Okay, um, so check this out. Uh, I remember when I was in the second grade, I didn't remember much, right? I was, I was uh, you know, a Hispanic, a Mexican, Mexican-American. Uh, both of my parents are from Mexico, and, uh, and, and I am here, and I lived in a little Mexico inside my house. And, uh, and I would speak Spanish, I, speak, I spoke fluently, I read fluently, but how many of you guys know uh, that I couldn't read in English? I couldn't really talk in English, right? So some of my most uh, amazing memories that I, that I love, I had amazing teachers growing up, but I remember being in ESL classes very young, English second language. And I remember I went to Skyline Elementary in Lake Stevens, in the Lake Stevens area, and there wasn't a lot of uh, Hispanics in that area. It was, it was I think, like a predominantly uh, 80% um, Caucasian, you know, white. And, uh, but I had the best time. Lake Stevens is an amazing area. It's great, great school system, everything. Um, and those were some of my favorite memories. But the memories didn't stem from the classroom. My memories growing up stemmed from the cafeteria. <laughs> Can I get an amen? And I remember this, I remember this. Um, the cafeteria was a cool place because I remember, like I said, there wasn't a lot of Hispanics, uh, but there was a lot of uh, people that were different than me and they ate things that were different than me. And, and one of the things that I do remember, even though there wasn't a lot of Hispanics, a lot of, uh, you know, it wasn't a melting pot of students, I do remember that there was a Japanese girl in my class. And I remember that she was extremely smart. Man, she was like the smartest girl that I've ever met in my life. But one of the things that I do remember is that her lunches, to me, were weird. She had a Tupperware full of sushi. Now sushi's like my favorite food, come on. But when I was a kid, I would look at her and go, girl, what are you eating? Why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Rice rolled up and fit. I just don't get it. And I remember people's lunches being differently than mine. Uh, but one of the one of the people that I one of the one of the people that I loved in my class was a young guy named Max, and let me tell you, Max had the snacks. <laughs> Max had the snacks. He was he would when it was lunchtime. I would I would purposely sit next to Max because he would have the craziest snacks. He would pull out gushers. Come on, how many of you guys ever had gushers? <laughs> He would pull out Cheetos. I've never had Cheetos in my life. He would pull out, oh my goodness, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. He would pull out the good stuff consistently and I would weasel my way over there and I'd say, Max, what's good, my man? See, my lunches look, look different. My mom, at a very young age, this is what she would give me. She would give me a sandwich with whole wheat bread, ham, cheese, 
tomatoes, onion, pickles. It would have every single, vegetables that I can't even pronounce. And I would, I would literally tell my mom this, mom, I'm not going to eat this food that you're giving me. These sandwiches, vegetables, I'm in the second grade. I need gushers. I need candy. I need butter. Come on, mom. Bless me, right? Bless me. But one of the things that I loved is the fact that Max didn't really actually like his food. He would actually look to mine. He wanted nutrients, and then I wanted the opposite, right? I grew up in the household where Raisin Bran was, was the cereal of choice. No debate, no question. It was Raisin Bran, or you're not getting anything. So there was this moment in, in the cafeteria that I loved. We would, we would do the fancy, how many guys have been here? The switch off. The beautiful exchange of, oh, you want, you want this sandwich full of veggies? I got you. Slide it over. Okay, I want that PB&J. I want the Cheetos. I want the Gushers. Come on, I want the Rice Krispies. I want the good stuff. Everybody say the good stuff. It was a beautiful exchange. And, and one of the things that I was uh, challenged with uh, this morning and, and uh, you know, in devotion say, it's, it's crazy. I didn't share um, any songs to, to do with the worship team for this morning, but I love that song that talks about him being worthy of thanks. Because I believe that's the season that we're in, in a season of opposition, in a season of turmoil, in a season of internal chaos. How many of you guys know that the posture that we need to maintain is a posture of thankfulness? Posture of thankfulness, a a posture of of gratitude, a thankful heart, right? So everybody open up your Bibles real quick. We are going to read today from the Gospel of John. Everybody turn to John chapter 6. Turn in John chapter 6. You can flip there in your physical Bible. Or you can go there in your smartphone. The Bible that glows. Amen? When you guys are there, say amen. 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 We are going to read this. But before we read, everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just want to say thank you. Lord God, thank you for the local church. Thank you for your word, Lord God, that transforms. This is a transformative word, Lord God, that as we read it and as we study it, Lord God, we thank you for that fresh revelation that you have for us in and out of season, Lord God. I pray that today, Lord God, we would receive from you. That today, Lord God, as as we read the word, Lord God, I pray that it wouldn't be my words. I pray that it wouldn't be, Lord God, what I want to do, Lord God, but I pray that you would take over and that you would speak through me, Lord God, not just for the crowd here, Lord God, but I pray, Lord God, that this would be a message that penetrates the county, Lord God. I pray that this would be a message, Lord God, for believers all over, Lord Jesus, that as we lift you up, that as we praise your name, Lord God, we would see you move, Lord God, in our land. We would see you move in our country, that we would see you move in our school systems at work, wherever we are at, Lord God, that as we read this word, it would change us from the inside and out, Lord God, and that we would be a witness, Lord God, without using words, but just by being an example and wherever we're at. In Jesus' name, we all said? Amen. Amen. Let's read. I love this. Okay, so the heading is uh, feeding of the 5,000. I'm going to start off with verse 1. After uh, these things, Jesus went over uh, the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias, uh, verse 2. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, uh, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. 
Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude uh, coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? I'm going to repeat that one more time. (laughs) Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, one of the disciples, he said, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. How many of you guys know when Jesus asks you a question, (laughs) it's not because he doesn't know, but it's because he knows what he's about to do. But just to test you, he will ask you a question. We're going to keep on reading. Uh, Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 uh, denarii uh, worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them uh, may have a little. It wasn't just 5,000, it was 5,000 men. And how many of you guys know that some of the men had families? So we're actually looking at about 12, probably 10 to 15,000 people that were there. Uh, Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here. Everybody say lad. Lad. There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number of about 5,000, looking more 10, 15,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and we had given thanks. Check this out. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost, so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets uh, with the fragments of the five barley loaves, uh, which were left over by those who had eaten. And those men, uh, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. I like to call this sermon a beautiful exchange and the miracle working God and the miracle working God. I want to talk about uh, verse five for a brief moment, if you guys will allow me to. Um, I'm going to read it one more time. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread so that they may eat? But this he said to test him. And, and we look at Philip's posture. We look at his heart. We look at the answer, right? We know Philip as an apostle of Jesus who was very calculated by nature. He was a businessman. He, 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 looked at, he looked at the situation, and this is what he said. He said, uh, Jesus, I need you to understand something. 200 denarii is a six-month wage for a person. I don't know where we're going to get that money. And even if we did them, even if we had the money, I don't know where we're going to get the bread from to feed all of these people, to feed all of the people. And I look at, I look at Philip, and I look at, I look at how he answered the question, and immediately I thought about the posture of my heart in seasons where I don't know how God's going to provide. And I look at the situation of my life, and this is my automatic 
uh, my automatic answer to God every single time. I'm going off of the experience of what I've lived in the past out of insecurity of not having enough. I'll look at the situation and I'll all of a sudden start to use my own knowledge. Oh yeah, that'll never work. Yeah, that can never be enough. And you know, you start using your own experiences that you faced. I grew up in a family that didn't have that much money, so therefore, there's no way that God could use me. I grew up in an abusive household, so there's no way that I could go to church and serve because of the ramifications of how I grew up. And we start making excuses, right? And I think it's funny how Philip, I mean, we're reading the sixth chapter of John. Philip had been walking alongside Jesus. We've been seeing miracles over and over, and Philip had been seeing Jesus at work. And this is what I'm reminded of. Uh, with greater faith and with great knowledge, look at the difference of what Peter, I mean, Philip could have said versus what he said. He could have said this, Master, I don't know where the food is to feed this crowd, but you are greater than Moses, whom God used to feed the multitude in the wilderness in the book of Exodus. God can certainly do a lesser work through a greater servant. Check this other one out. Number two, you are greater than Elisha, whom God used to feed many sons of the prophets through little food. What is more, this situation or that situation? Or check this out, third example. He would have said or could have said, the scriptures say that man shall not live off of bread alone, and you are great enough to fill this multitude from the words of your mouth, a fresh revelation of who God is. Walking alongside someone who has it all, he missed it. He missed it. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about God and how he has been enthroned on a thousand generations of people and testimonies who have testified of the goodness of God in the land of the living, amen? amen? From the book of Genesis, Exodus, going through all the Old Testament, we see time and time again God start to move. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was there with Moses. He was there with David. He was there with the minor and major prophets. He was there with Ezekiel. So what makes you think in a situation where you're facing the hard tribulations of life that he won't provide? Enthroned on a thousand generations singing, worthy are you, Lord. He hasn't failed me now. So what makes me think that he will fail me later? And then we look at, and then we look at uh, Simon Peter's brother, Andrew, saying to him in, in, in verse 8, there is a lad here. By the way, a lad is a little kid. There is a little kid here. And I don't know, I don't know if, uh, you know, this is something that, something that could work. I know there's 10,000 plus people here. I know that there's a lot of people here, but hey, we got we got five loaves, and we got two little guppies. We got two little fish. And I look at the posture of the little kid. I look at the posture of the little kid. Barley, the bread that he used, signifies that he actually came from a low-income area. People would use uh, nicer breads if they were obviously from a nicer area, 
but the barley, the five loaves of barley and the two small fish signifies that. It was from an area where there wasn't a lot of money. There wasn't a lot of money. Therefore, we see that this kid with the food that he has and the journey that he's taken doesn't have a lot. But look at that beautiful exchange, which by the way, it's not gushers. You ain't changing the five loaves of bread and the two fish for gushers. You're not changing it for, um, I don't know, uh, sugared Cheerios. You're not changing it for a cool snack. No, what you're changing it for is nothing. A release. A release. If I don't even, when I don't even know if I'm going to get anything back. A divine letting go. And letting God operate in a situation where we don't understand what's going on. I could, he, I could see the little lad even being like, dang, that's the only thing that I have. That's the only thing that I have. But if you're one of the disciples of Jesus, and of Jesus, and if you've been hanging out with Jesus, and I've been seeing these miraculous works, and I found out through word of mouth that he was here because they didn't have Instagram back in the day. They didn't have Facebook. You couldn't RSVP like we got to do right now in churches. They just went. By word of mouth, they showed up. By word of mouth, they came in. And to see him, though, release it. To see him release it, being from the area that he was, not knowing if he was going to get something in return, which by the way, I love that Pastor Jonathan says this statement all the time. He says, if you can justify everything in the life that you live as a Christ follower, you're probably not a Christ follower. Most of the things in Christianity sometimes don't make sense. How many of you guys have been walking with God for a hot minute? How many of you guys know that? It doesn't make sense to smile somebody when you go into Whole Foods. It doesn't make sense to do the things that you do. It doesn't make sense to help a Samaritan or, or to help somebody that's different from you on the side of the road. It doesn't make sense to do the things that you do, but we do it. Why? Because freely we have received, so freely we give. Freely we have received the grace of God. Freely we have understood the power and the transformation of God that he has in this day as an access for us in the throne room. And we operate out of that overflow. Then we're going to keep on moving. We're going to keep on moving. And he grabs the five loaves of bread and the two fish. And Jesus grabs the loaves. And this is, this is mind-boggling that he did this. A Jesus, by the way, who didn't need the loaves to work off of. A Jesus who could have spoken and it would have been. A Jesus who could have made it manifest in a moment. We've seen him move. He moves the mountains, takes the loaves. But this is what he does. Before he distributes, Jesus thanks. Thanks, God. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then from that posture of thankfulness, he distributes. And he has the disciples go. And the disciples distribute. And they distribute and they distribute. And the cool thing is that scripture would like to let us know that there was an overflowing, by the way. That people weren't just satisfied for the moment, but there was a divine overflowing that people had as much as they 
wanted. How many of you guys know that we have a God who is a God of just enough? How many of you guys know we have a God who does more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine? In a season, in a season where you feel like I don't have much, in a season where you think I'm too insecure, I'm too little, God will grab the, the people who are most insecure about their gift makes, who are most insecure about themselves. And how many of you guys know that he will make miracles out of the messes in our life? He will make a miracle out of the message in our life. Amen. And I'm reminded of this. Thankfulness or, gra- uh, or gratefulness uh, comes from the Latin word gratis, which means pleasing and thankful. It's a feeling of appreciation felt by and or a similar positive response shown by a recipient of kindness. A recipient of kindness, gifts, help, favors, or other types of generosity uh, towards the giver of such gifts. And I love this picture. Feeding the 5,000 or 10,000, 15,000, it was amazing. It was great. But I love, I love the parallel between this and then we see uh, the first century uh, church uh, born in the book of Acts. And we're reminded food is amazing, don't get me wrong. Gushers are cool. Snacks are cool, but you know what's even better is for people to be empowered with the Holy Spirit It's for people to have a divine encounter with God food will hold you down for you know a hot second Food you'll be fed and then three hours later. You'll be hungry again Food is amazing, but can I tell you something right now? Food is great. Jesus wants us to know that in the scripture, but what's even better is what's to come And I love this picture because it proves that the latter days will be greater than our former. You guys may have seen God move right now. You may have seen him through your testimony and how he moves the mountains in your life. You may have seen his mighty hand over your life in amazing ways. But isn't it crazy that just when we thought that Jesus moved in a mighty way, which he did, obviously, he invites us into a position where he says, do you trust me? Now, do you trust me now, though? I I get that you were radically saved. I get that you were on the streets doing what you were doing before being saved, and you're here now. But I love this picture in the scripture. Will you keep on moving forward in the land of the living? Will you keep on moving forward? And by the way, while you're moving forward, will you remember what I've done for you? Will you remember what I've done for you? Right? And I look at David in the Psalms, and I look at his conversations to himself, by the way. How many of you guys read the Psalms sometimes and go, man, David is crazy. Yo, David, you're good one day, and then one day you're just tripping out. Right? And I love this picture. David will speak to his soul. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why are you downcast? Why are you struggling? I've won battles before. How many of you guys know you have to remind yourself sometimes of the battles that you've won? I've won battles before. I've slayed Goliath, but now I'm going in the cave. But I love this picture because it was the cave season that molded him. It was the cave season that gave him the strength that he needed in battle to be victorious in life to trust and to speak to himself even when he didn't 
feel it. Even when you don't feel it. Even when you look at your situation, you got COVID for a month. And you don't know how you're going to pay the bills. And you don't know what's going on. And you don't know what's going to happen because a family member got sick. And I just don't know what's going to happen. Can you trust in God this morning? Can you trust in God? Can you trust in the Lord? And watch this. Not just trust, but can you give him thanks for what he's going to do? But can you give him thanks for the miracle in the making? I love this. Uh, this past month, uh, the youth have, we've, we've been doing sermon series. And, uh, and it's really cool because the sermon series, you know, it's a series that, that we walk through and, and we talk about um, from January, February, March, April, and then the month of May. You know what our sermon series was in May? It was trustful. It was trustful. And we were with the team members and we were deciding what our sermon series was going to be. And we, now I regret it. I'm just kidding. Totally joking. <laughs> and we came up with this. It would be a good idea to talk about trustful. Well, let me tell you, we didn't, really, we didn't do a lot of talking. But we did a lot of walking. We did a lot of hard days. Lots of tears. Lots of frustrations. You could do a sermon series. Yeah, that'd be amazing. But how about walking it out? How about living it out one day at a time? <laughs> Pastor John was in, was, was in the office and we were talking and <laughs> we were debriefing and, you know, I got the calendar set up. Man makes plans and God laughs. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Pastor John looks at, looks at the calendar. I think it was like May, I think like 14th or something like that. I don't know. Don't fact check me on it. Uh, but he looked at the calendar and he just started laughing. I said, Pastor John, what? You know, I'm thinking that he's like calling me out for my lack of organization. Anyway, I'm thinking he's calling me out. And he says this, you need to erase the whole month of May. And he starts laughing. Because man makes plans and God laughs. The sermon series, like I said, was trustful. And then he looks at June. <laughs> and the sermon series is unashamed. <laughs> And he, said, and he said to me, I don't know what's going to happen in the month of June, but let's see how unashamed you are right now about what's going to happen later. And I got scared. I was like, oh, no, God, please. We want to have service. Please don't test me on being unashamed. We don't need that persecution right now in the church. But I was laughing. I was laughing. And it was, and it was funny because how many of you guys know that we make plans, but God wants us to move moment by moment, one day at a time. Because tomorrow's not guaranteed. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We can make all these plans and plan all these trips, and we put our hope in the things to come, and when the things to come really don't come, we're frustrated. And now we're mad, and now we're upset. But I'm astounded by the generosity that Jesus had. I remember I had a poetry book when I was a kid called Leaves of Gold. And it's a really good poetry book. And there was a poem that I memorized. Obviously, it's not very long. But there was a poem, in, poem that I memorized when I was a kid that said, there once was a man who people called mad. The more he gave, the more he had. The more he gave, the more he had. And I'm 
challenged today by Proverbs 25, 11, verse 24. There's one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. Ben, this is a long shot. I don't know if we have that graphic. Do we have that graphic up? Oh, sweet. Yeah, man, let's, let's get that graphic up there. I was, uh, I was in Leavenworth at a hotel called Enzion Inn. Enzion, or Enzion, <laughs> correct me. Uh, is, is it German? Enzion, yeah, yeah. Don't tell him I said that. I'm just kidding. Sponsored. Okay, anyway. I was at this, I was at this hotel, and, uh, and I've been going to this hotel when I was, uh, since I was a kid, and I remember playing racquetball there, and you've probably been there. Uh, but I was, I was at this hotel, and uh, every single time we go to the pool, I've been seeing this picture since I was a kid. If, if you can't see it very well, it's, it's a kid who has 12 baskets, and he has fish in the baskets, and he's throwing his hands up in gratitude. Throwing his hands up. But when I walked into the pool this time, I stopped for a second, and I took a look at the picture. And this time it hit me. It hit me really hard. Because uh, I look at that kid... And I look at the posture of his heart in the beginning, not knowing if he was going to have later. And then I look at the 12 baskets, and even though it doesn't you know, say it in Scripture, I can only assume, we can only read between the lines, that the God of more than enough that the God of more than enough, that the God where there is more, there's plentiful. There's a profound amount will bless the sacrifice when you offer yourself up to him. Uh, you may be in the congregation today and saying, I, I don't know if I have enough. I, I don't know if I have enough. I'm insecure about the season that I'm in. I'm insecure about finances. I'm insecure about relationships. I'm insecure about the whole mask situation and the vaccine and all these different things. But can we not forget, can we not forget the faith that we have in Christ? Faith being the evidence of things not seen. Faith in our hearts being God, even though I don't know what tomorrow holds, I will trust in you and I will trust in the plans that you have for me. Uh, can I have the worship team come up? And I look at this picture, and I'm reminded every single day, not just in church, for the youth, not just on a Wednesday night, not just on a Monday night, but every single day, this is, this is the revelation in this season that God has given me. Will you yield to me? Will you yield to me so that I could lift you up? with the posture of thankfulness, with the posture of thankfulness. And you don't, even, you don't even have to know what you're thanking him for. I was uh, recently in a season 
where I was just nagging and just frustrated and just upset with, with just circumstances in life and, and where, I, where I was at. And, you know, if you're not careful, you don't remain in a thankful posture, you'll complain. And what complaining leads to is compromise. When you complain, you compromise. And I was complaining one day in my car. And I was mad, right? You guys ever been in that moment where you're just yelling at God in the car and then people are looking at you? And they're like, excuse me, right? Unless you're in downtown Seattle, happens every day, okay? <laughs> Frustrated, mad, upset. God, you did this. How could you? You know, you just argue with God. I thought you were in control. And I'm facing the roller coaster of life. And I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. I'm upset. I'm mad. And it turns into me, 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 right? And you realize how selfish you can get in those moments. And I felt when I stopped talking. I felt God say this, Jose, will you thank me? Will you thank me? And it's crazy how the frustration in that moment, the anger, the bitterness in that moment, once yielded, turns into a posture of thankfulness. And then I started crying. (laughs) So maybe I'm not as crazy as David. And I started crying. And what a posture of thankfulness will turn into is a posture of gratitude, obviously. Uh, But what it will turn into is a posture of humility and repentance. Mm -hmm. Only coming outside of yourself, you start to realize, I have more than enough. I have more than enough. I look at circumstances around the country. I look at some people. I look at my country back home. And I start to thank God out of everything that I have. And what the repentance will lead to is a profound revelation of God's giving. A profound revelation of what he's done thus far in my life. A profound revelation of, you know what? God, I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And you know what? If you have me in the season of being uncomfortable, then I'll receive it. If you have me in the season of not knowing what's to come, I will receive it. And I will be thankful. Why? Because, God, I know you're preparing me for a breakthrough that's coming in the future. But right now, in this situation, the only thing that I need to do is be faithful. The only thing that I need to do right now in this moment is be faithful. And when I give away the little that I have, Know that God is a miracle-working God. Know that God, is a, know that God is a God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. Enthroned on a thousand praises. Enthroned on the generations. Enthroned on the revelations that the prophets had in the scriptures. Foretold, by the way. Foretold. That we are living in the years of Anno Domini, which is the years of the Lord. And God hasn't failed me. He hasn't failed me yet. Amen. 
And I'm reminded of this. That everybody has a sacrifice. Everybody has something that they need to sacrifice. Everybody has something. Everybody has something that they look at in their lives and they go, ooh. How many, how many of you guys know that we, we roll up to God and we go, God, you can have anything in my life but this. <laughs> God, you can have anything in my life, but just don't touch that area, please. Because if you do, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And this is what I'm reminded of. Even though these past few weeks have been rough, even those past year, or maybe years for you, maybe a decade for you, maybe a hard yesterday, hard yesteryear, yesterlife, whatever it is, I'm reminded of this. If you're here today, I may not have all the answers for specific situations. You may be in a pickle. You may be in a predicament today. You may be in a situation that's above you. You may be in debt. You may be online and struggling with sickness and scared to go back to church out of information that you've read. And you have anxiety in your heart and you're frustrated with what's to come because you don't know the future. And you want to be in a position, you want to be in a position where you lay what you have down but you're like doubting Thomas, I need to see the scars. I need to see the scars. Blessed is him who doesn't see and who trusts by faith that God will make a way in their situation. Blessed is the person who doesn't see. Blessed is the person who trusts in God. Blessed is the person who even though I don't feel it today, even though I don't feel it right now, even though I'm uncomfortable and I do not like this season. Can you choose a thankful heart and look around and say, man, I'm standing. I have clothes on my back. I'm in the local church, which is a force in the world. Judgment starts in the house of God. I'm healthy. I'm okay. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And sometimes, you know, I think we go to church and we look for a profound theological truth that just, man, hits us right in the feels. And man, I, the only thing that you need to know is that Jesus loves you enough. Jesus loves you because it's a relationship enough to trust you, by the way. That's what that divine partnership is. You trust him. He will move in your life. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And I'm reminded of what Pastor Jonathan was speaking during worship. Casting your cares. Casting your anxieties. Casting everything into him. Because he cares for you.